0: Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of
1: Recommended Insurance Attorneys.
0: Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, a broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Doug Mosley, partner in the law firm Seacrest Wardle, which is headquartered in Troy, Michigan, with additional offices in Grand Rapids and Lansing. The firm recently celebrated its 103rd anniversary and specializes in defense litigation and counsel for insurance, municipal, and commercial clients. Doug Mosley has a long history of insurance defense work. He has tried numerous cases in circuit courts throughout the state of Michigan, as well as in federal district court. He is focused in the defense of automobile claims, premises liability matters, construction cases, and in DRAM shop litigation. And today's podcast is on the Michigan DRAM Shop Act. And, Doug, can you begin for us today by defining exactly what this is?
2: Yes. Uh, the Michigan Dram Shop Act was a statute uh, that provides a civil cause of action against the holder of a liquor license, a bar, a restaurant, a retailer, uh, when a person gets injured by an adult uh, who was served while visibly intoxicated there or a minor who was served alcohol and then causes injury. Uh, a less legalistic explanation is a person who was injured by an intoxicated person can, in some fashion, can, in circumstances, to the bar restaurant that sold the alcohol to the uh, alleged drunk person. Uh, lots of other states have similar statutes, and the purpose is to compensate someone who is injured as a result of the over-service of alcohol.
0: Doug, who could bring a dram shop case against the seller of the alcohol?
2: uh anyone who's injured in some fashion by a person who was illegally sold uh alcohol and that's in parentheses the act defines that and it has to be uh a case brought against a holder of a liquor license and there's a, there are a couple of restrictions one you've got to be deemed a non-innocent party and a non-innocent party is someone who contributes to the intoxication of the tortfeasor uh you can't sit in a bar and buy drinks for your best friend Johnny uh, at a bar, or restaurant, then get into Johnny's car and then sue the bar after Johnny runs off the road and hits a tree. You contributed to the cause of action, so you can't collect. The statute also prevents family members uh, of the intoxicated person from financial or emotional damages uh, when the drunk becomes injured. The previous versions of the act allowed that, and it caused major problems because basically the drunk dads of Michigan. Uh, figured out what to say to secure financial recovery. Uh, I tried a couple of those cases years ago, and the uh, drunk dads would stand up there and tell the jury how drunk they were, and the bartender continued to serve them so that their family should be compensated. Uh, The act was amended, and that was one of the first things thrown out, and uh, the defense bar danced and sang, and so did the insurance carriers for the various uh, bars and restaurants in Michigan. Also, you can't sue for your own intoxication. Uh, You're limited by the recovery in the act, and that precludes someone who is injured because they become intoxicated from suing uh, the bar. We've fought many cases for people who fell downstairs, shot themselves, started a fight, lost a fight, uh, or got into an automobile accident, and then tried to sue the bar on a negligence theory. We've been able to stop all of those, but they still keep coming, and they're always extremely inventive cases. So... Uh, It's a cause of action I thought would have been gone away a long time ago, but, by gosh, it keeps rising its uh, ugly head over and over again.
0: And, Doug, who could be sued under the Dram Shop Act?
2: Uh, You've got to sue the holder of the liquor license so that the state has issued the license, and to get a license, that holder, that individual, that entity, has to accept the exposure that's created by the Dram Shop Act. You can't sue an employee or a DBA or any other entities. Uh, and, a, and a side note, Michigan does not allow individuals who supply alcohol to adults to be sued when they behave in a negligent fashion afterwards. Uh, but uh, Michigan law does allow a uh, individual who serves alcohol to a minor to be sued if the minor causes an injury.
0: And in what kinds of fact scenarios result in dram shop claims being filed against a liquor license holder?
2: John, the vast majority of the cases arise out of automobile accidents. Uh, drunk driving cases are the most prominent source of dram shop litigation. As you would expect, putting uh, an intoxicated person in the car can always cause problems. But we've also seen many cases where fights occur after people have been drinking, and it's uh, pretty much a guarantee that the loser of the fight will sue the winner and then name the bar where he or she was drinking uh, under the Dram Shop Act. And, and uh, my partners and I have seen cases where uh, there's pushing, hair pulling, punching, bottles being thrown, causing an injury. Uh, pool cues and pool balls uh, frequently come into the equation, and they cause very serious injuries. So, any scenario that involves any type of mayhem or carnage where alcohol can be a factor, you're likely to see a dram shop case.
0: Doug, are there specific requirements a plaintiff must follow to perfect under the dram shop act?
2: Yeah, the, in 1998, the act was. Uh, amended because there was the, the liquor insurance uh, industry was hurting. They, they couldn't afford to provide the defenses because it was just an open door to the plaintiff's bar. So at that time, uh, the legislator created a notice provision. Uh, a, person, a plaintiff's attorney has to give notice to any bars uh, or restaurants within 120 days after being retained. And it uh, adopted a two-year statute of limitations, which is shorter than the normal uh, statute in Michigan. And the purpose of both of these provisions was to try and put the bar on notice of a potential claim. Uh, the work wait staff and the customers in the industry come and go very quickly, and this has given the bars and their insurance companies in particular and their investigators a chance to find out who's who, what happened in the bar, and who can be used as a witness. Uh, and one of the major things that the uh, legislator required was the name and retain provision. And that means that the tortfeasor, the guy who causes the damage, or the woman who causes the car accident, must also be named in the complaint uh, and served with a summons in complaint. It must be a viable party. And then the tortfeasor must re- be retained throughout the suit. And the purpose of this is, is to prevent the drunk from uh, rolling over or cutting a deal with the plaintiff's attorney. And having done this for many, many years, uh, I, I practiced before this amendment, and we'd see cases where the the drunk would cut a deal with the plaintiff's attorney for a minimal settlement, or just be dismissed out of the case. And he'd provide testimony such as, "I was drunk as a skunk in the dewdrop," and uh, Betsy, the bartender, kept pouring me beer. I fell off my chair. She poured me another beer. I then drove home and got in an accident. And of course, he would blame Betsy for all of the problems. Uh, by coming up with the name and retain provision, uh, and there's also an indemnification provision in the act, the, the, the drunk can't roll over on the bar as easily. There's financial consequences. So that's provided a big protection to, to, the, uh, to the industry as a whole.
0: And what does a claimant have to do to uh, win a dram shop case?
2: Well, there's, there's two separate standards. One is for a minor, and then if you serve someone who's uh, under 21, that's considered an unlawful sale or an illegal sale and uh, in that situation all there has to be is service to the minor uh... who then causes an injury and proof that the tox- intoxication was a proximate cause uh, when you get into adults there is a different standard because uh... one it's legal to serve alcohol to an adult and so the uh, legislature after trying many times to get the right mix finally did in my opinion and that requires uh, a sale to, there must be proof that the uh, adult pork feaser was served alcohol while he was displaying signs of visible intoxication. Uh, and the Michigan jury instructions define invisible intoxication as intoxication which is obvious to an ordinary observer. And what this does, John, is bring in an objective requirement to the burden of proof. You can't just say that the alleged intoxicated was slammed or buzzed or blasted. You've got to have uh, actual proof that the tortfeasor, the person who causes the injury, behaved uh, in an intoxicated fashion, or that his behavior was, uh, or his or her, or her behavior was affected by the consumption of alcohol. So you look to slurred speech, coordination problems, balance, uh, loud talking, use of profanities. The list goes on and on. Uh, but the, uh, uh, when the legislator changed the act by giving us this objective standard, it helped the defense of the cases immensely.
0: Doug, what defenses does the bar, restaurant, or retail store have in a jam shop case?
2: Well, once again, uh, when the act was amended, several uh, important defenses were created. But uh, the most recent good luck for the liquor industry in Michigan and their insurance companies uh, was the uh, Supreme Court's case of Reed versus Burton. Uh, and in that case, the Supreme Court, that came down in 2006, and the Supreme Court said that there, the, in order for the plaintiff to prevail and even get the case to a jury, there must be uh, evidence that the person uh, displayed objective manifestations that he was affected by the consumption of alcohol. Now prior to this, John, when we would try these cases, uh, the plaintiff's bar and the defense bar all used circumstantial evidence to prove or disprove the case. And that would involve the number of drinks, the time the uh, alleged intoxicated person was in the bar, prior drinking, and behavior after believing the bar. And the most popular type of evidence was the blood alcohol test results in an automobile accident case. Uh, I paid numerous toxicologists a great deal of money uh, to testify as to how the tortfeasor would behave with a given blood alcohol level. And the plaintiff's bar would uh, pay their toxicologist to say the same thing, both of us coming down on the same side. In the Reed case, there was a battle between uh, toxicologists, and the Supreme Court said, nope, we're not going to allow this. And it held that there must be evidence, uh, someone who will testify, that the intoxicated person, the tortfeasor, actually displayed signs of intoxication prior to the service. Uh, The key is uh, objective manifestations of intoxication. And without those, you can't get the case to the jury. Uh, I prepared a fairly comprehensive list of cases, uh, Court of Appeals cases, after Reed. Uh, They go both ways, but the burden of proof is much harder now. Uh, and uh, the read cases help the bar industry and the uh, insurance industry quite a bit. The act also provides that the uh, license holder can assert all defenses available to the alleged toxicated person. Uh, that means the bars get the same defenses as the tortfeasor. So in Michigan, which has a no-fault act, it has a threshold from recovery. We can use that. And that act also precludes claims for damages uh, for wage loss and medical expenses and uh, replacement services against the tortfeasor. We can use that, and that's, that's been a big help to the industry. This also means that we can use the comparative fault of the plaintiff in an auto case uh, or the Michigan Sudden Emergency Doctrine, which provides that when you, particularly in the case of Michigan where you hit a lot of ice and snow, uh, that there is a defense if its unexpected situation. So that's been helpful. In the, uh, the fight uh, cases, we can assert para-default, uh, mutual fray, or self-defense. Uh, mutual fray means that a person uh, consented to fight, and uh, those cases are always interesting to prove. Well, John, I think that pretty much uh, gives you a, a, some idea of the act. It's, it's been a, an interesting act. It's been around for a long time, uh, and, and after it's been revised, it has been a great boon to the, both the liquor industry in Michigan and their insurance companies.
0: Doug, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: John, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and thanks for anyone who's listening.
0: That was Doug Mosley, partner in the law firm of Seacrest Wardle with offices throughout the state of Michigan, and special thanks to today's producer, John Weber. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message.
1: BEST's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non insurance companies, third party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our Comprehensive Reference Guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AM Best listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique Needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed—those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there is no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Bests Directory. Of recommended insurance attorneys visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.